listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm the assistant pastor here. I'm Pastor Lee. I'm, uh, David was on a vacation this week. Glad you're back. But, uh, but yeah, so I get the joy and, the, and the, the pleasure of preaching this morning. I'm excited about it. Um, but if you've got a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be in verse 34, or excuse me, 44, sorry. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know we're in a series called Jesus Stories. And we're looking at the parables of Jesus. And, and, and we're, we've been kind of walking through what the parables are. We've kind of been, it, it's really been cool, I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, I heard a pastor this week talk about, you know, the congregation really learns how to read their Bible and learns how to study their Bible by what the pastor says on Sunday morning, how he teaches you to read the Bible. And I've been, it's been awesome to, to watch David teach us how to see the parables and how to read the parables. And so I'm just going to steal what he said and do it that way um, because it just works, you know. Uh, so if you've, if you've been with us, you know the parables are, are a, a sifting mechanism. They're stories that Jesus used to sort of sift out the congregation that he was speaking to. And so you've got some that, 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 that are going to be drawn in as they hear these parables, and then you've got some that, that, that are going to be sort of not really pushed away, but they're, they're going to be sort of turned away by what Jesus is saying. And, and so, so this is what the parables are, are intended to do. And, and, and so we're going we're gonna to dive into Scripture in a minute. we got two really short ones, but, but they're so impactful. And, and, and we're going to see in just a minute how these stories are, are, are really going to be retrospective. So I hope, I hope this morning you brought a mirror with you so you can sort of see, because this is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to pretty much hold a mirror up to us, and we're really going to be asking ourselves some questions this morning, and, and it's going to be really introspective. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what Jesus draws out of this and the Holy Spirit draws out of this this morning. So, so if you've got your Bible there, Matthew 13, like I said, verse 44, it says this, "'The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field.'" which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. In verse 45, he says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this word that you've given us this morning. Father, I pray that you will just help us to, to pull as much out of it, God, and your Holy Spirit would just show us as much as we can see. Father, that we would be overflowing when we leave this place, Father, because we opened your word this morning and we, we sought after you. We love you in your name we pray, amen. So we're, we're gonna do three things with these two short little parables this morning. We saw it last week, but, but the first thing we're going to do is we're going to discover the meaning. And, and if you look at these two parables, you'll see there's a common thread that weaves itself through both of these. And it's a phrase that Jesus uses for both of these. And it, it says, if you look in verses 44 and again in 45, you'll see that it says, He sold or sells all that he has. 
And so though that, that one phrase gives us the meaning behind what Jesus is saying here. He's, he's giving us the value of this treasure. And if we read both of them, he's teaching the disciples in this, in this, in this point in, in this Matthew's gospel. He's actually been teaching the parables to the crowds and he's moved into the house and he's actually teaching just the disciples. So this is to the disciples. I'm sure there's some people outside that are hearing this, but, but he's teaching this to the disciples and he's teaching them the value of the kingdom of God. And so that's, that's really the meaning. When we look at these, that's, that's the, the central meaning behind both of these. And then if we define the variables, we see there's two different types of men in these parables. We've got the one man who, who was in a field. We don't know if he was working the field. We don't know if he was just walking through a field. But all we know is he was in a field and he stumbles upon a treasure. And, and, and in looking at the treasure... He realizes the value of that treasure and decides, I've got to go have this. I have to have this treasure. And so the way it worked then, just kind of the way it works now, if I want something that's on somebody else's land, I can't just grab it and take it. I mean, that's technically stealing. I mean, if you do that, I mean, I, you, hopefully you're convicted of it now. But, but what you had to do was you had to buy the land the treasure was in. And so he goes and he says, Jesus says he sells all that he had. Now, I, I'm just, I, I looked up the Greek in, in this and it pretty much means all. So I'm just going to take, when Jesus says he sold all that he had, he sold all that he had. Like there was nothing left. Like he went and he sold off his possessions. He, if he had any land, it's gone. If he had a house, it's gone. If he had animals, they're gone. He sold everything he had so that he could come back and buy the piece of land that the treasure was on. And so you've got one guy who, who stumbled upon and found the treasure, saw its value, and went and sold all he had to get it. And then you've got another man, the pearl merchant, who is in search of this great pearl. He didn't find the pearl. He is in search of it. It says he was in search of fine pearls, and he found the one pearl of great value. And then it says, what did he do? He went and sold all that he had, all that he had and bought it. So now he's taken this whole collection of pearls that he's had, that he's amassed over years and years of collecting pearls. And not only has he, has he taken this collection and sold the collection, but it says again there, he sold, in verse 46, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So again, Jesus is saying he sold everything to gain that one pearl of great value. And so I think when we define these things, we see that we've got two different people who, who see the value in the treasure that, they're, that one found and one searching for. But again, we're, we're looking at the cost here. Both of these people were confronted with a treasure and they had to determine whether it was worth paying everything they had for it. They had to determine its value. So what does this mean for us? I mean, again, these are two simple parables, but I think they hold so much, so much importance for us. And when we break down this application, I hope you get it this morning. Uh, but, but really and truly, the application here is, 
is, is what is the kingdom worth to us? There's a quote by, by D.A. Carson, uh, one of the, the commentaries I was reading, and I just could not get over this quote. I just kept coming back to it, back to it, back to it. It was so powerful. I just threw it in your notes. I was like, you're going to write it down? I'll save you the trouble. Don't take a picture of it. You've got it in your notes now. So I just figured it was just that important for you to see it. But it says this, the kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. And those who know where the treasure lies joyfully abandon everything else to secure it. Did you hear that? The kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. So really and truly, there's one point. There's one question I want you to ponder this morning. Is the kingdom of heaven worth the cost of discipleship? Is the kingdom of heaven, is being a follower of Jesus this morning right here at Doxa Church, you're sitting right here, you're hearing these words, is the kingdom of heaven, is being a follower of Jesus worth what it costs to be a disciple of Jesus? Because we're going to see in just a minute, we all have a follow me moment. And we, we really, we've got we've to answer that question. And so, again, it's, it's all about what's it worth? What's the value of the treasure? I'll tell you, one of the things that I've gotten into over the last probably three and a half, four years is, uh, is well, I'll, I'll blame it on my wife. Uh, we'll do that. She's here. <laughs> so, for Father's Day, a few years ago, about three, four years ago, she bought me a Star Wars action figure that I just had a fit over, okay? I know, laugh, but I collect toys, okay? That's my new hobby is I collect toys, and it's cool because both the boys have, we, we kind of all do it together. They collect Pokemon, and, and, and Brotman does Stranger Things, and, and then Bradley is into Hot Wheels and, and uh, Star Wars like I am. And anyway, so, so it's funny because we'll sit around, right, and, and we'll, we'll look at our collections and, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll dream about other things. We're, you know, we'll go to the toy store and we'll look and, and we'll go hunting for things. You know, we'll, we'll go to Walmart and see what's been picked over and what we can find and those kind of things or Target or wherever you go shop for, for toys, which you probably don't shop for toys, so why am I even saying that? Um, <laughs> But the, the thing that we'll do a lot of times is we'll go online, right? And we'll look. It's so funny. Stacey loves this. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll be like, oh, check it out. What, like, this is a good investment. Like this figure that we bought now, it's gone up in value. And this is how much it's worth. And, and we're like, oh, that's, that's so cool. Look at this. You know, this one, this Pokemon card's worth this now. And, all this, and it's so funny because she's always just in earshot. And I can, I mean, it, she don't even have to say it anymore. I can, it's, in, it's ingrained in my head. She always says this. It's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. You're right. <laughs> so that's on video now. That's in, you know, everybody heard it. She's right. Okay. But it's so true. Like all I have, okay, I'm going to be honest. I've got a cabinet and, and a two or three shelves and I've got a wall full of Hot Wheels. Basically, I've got just a room full of plastic and metal that's worthless. Right. It's worth something to me. I love it. it. It brings me back to my childhood. I love collecting this stuff. But honestly, unless I'm ready to sell it, which I'm not because I'm a collector. I'm not an investor. Um, I, I'm a hoarder. That's what I am. I'm a toy hoarder. Um, 
But until I'm ready to sell it, like until, until somebody, I can put it on eBay for days. I can put it on Macari. I can put it on Facebook Marketplace. It doesn't matter. Until somebody's willing to go, I want that and I'm going to give you this amount of money for it, it is worthless. And so that's the question. Like I, I, I hear that in my head, like as I was doing this, this message, I could hear my wife in my head, just the Holy Spirit, I guess. Uh, and, and, and her just saying, it's only worth what you're willing to pay for it. And I got to thinking about the kingdom of heaven. I got to thinking about being a follower of Christ. I got to thinking about the cost of discipleship. It's only worth what we're willing to pay for it. And this is what Jesus was trying to explain to the disciples in these two parables. He's trying to get them to understand the kingdom of heaven is priceless. It, it, it's worth what it's like infinitely worth more than you following me. And see, when we hear that, that's great. You know, for us sometimes, it, it, it can kind of just, we don't quite understand it maybe, but when we think about the disciples that he was talking to, like there were four fishermen that he was talking to that he walked up to them and said, follow me, and they dropped everything they had and followed him. Like imagine being at your job and Jesus coming to you and saying, follow me. And you dropping everything and walking out the door and following him. Without, you don't care what the repercussions are. Imagine being in a classroom and somebody, no, because y'all would do that. Never mind, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but just imagine if somebody, I mean, if that, that you would walk away from everything and follow him. There's a, the Matthew, the tax collector, he's standing there in his tax booth and Jesus comes, follow me. And he, he I mean, think about the trouble he could have got into. He didn't care. Jesus said, follow me, and he dropped it, and he followed him. I mean, when, when we start to think about the value of, of the kingdom of heaven, when we think about the value of being a follower of Christ, when we think about what it costs, you know, sometimes we got to ask ourselves, what does it really cost us? Well, Jesus defined that for us later in Matthew in, in, in chapter 16. So flip over a couple pages. And you'll see in Matthew 16, he's telling of his death and, and his resurrection. And, and, you know, Peter's like, no, you're not going to do that. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. And, and then he, he gives them the, the, this is how much it costs to be a disciple. He says this in verse 24. He says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Forever, who, for whoever has saved his life, whoever would save his life, excuse me, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? He said right there, he said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. In Luke, he says, take up his cross daily and follow me. You see the cost that like that's like if we're a follower of Christ in this room, like you have you, when, when the Holy Spirit laid upon your heart and you decided to follow Jesus, you took that pledge. You took that oath. You said, yes, I will deny myself, take up my cross, which taking up my cross basically means I will walk my, 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 my instrument of execution to the place of execution. I am willing to die. For Jesus. That's what it says. That's what Jesus is saying. That's the cost of discipleship. 
So when he says there's a man who, who stumbled upon the kingdom in a field and he, he examined the treasure and he said, it is worth what it cost. What Jesus is saying, he says, it's worth this. It's worth this cost to follow him. So the next question, I think this begs it. You can turn a couple more pages in chapter 19 in Matthew. Matthew 19, I'm going to start at 16. But now that now we're going to see what, what the, the, the value, what do we gain? Because that's what everybody, everybody that invests, we talked about this last week, everybody that invests, you want to know what the return is, right? You want to know, like if I'm going to pay to be a follower of Christ, if I'm going to say yes to the cost, I want to know what I'm getting. And I believe we see this from Jesus here as he's talking to this rich young man or the rich young ruler. It says this, and behold, a man came up saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he asked him, he said, he said, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And catch this. And then Jesus says, Come follow me. So he's given him what it's worth. He's given him the cost. He says, Come follow me. And then Jesus said to his disciples, as he as the as the rich young man was walked away sorrowful. Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, just to understand this for just a quick minute, when, when the disciples hear this and when they're, when they're seeing this and when people around are listening to this, to be rich in, 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 in this day and age meant you were looked on as being blessed by God. And so here this man is supposedly blessed by God because of his wealth. And Jesus is saying, now you've got to sell it all and you've got to follow me. And he turns away sorrowful and walks away. And so this is where we get this exchange with, with Peter. And Jesus says, again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, what can we, or who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but God, with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. He's saying, we, we, we did exactly what you told us to do. We, we understood the value. We understood the cost. And we are following you, Jesus. He said, we left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And so Jesus gives them. He said, Here, here's, here's the reward for following me. Jesus said, truly, I say to you in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on the glorious throne, you, will, you, you who have followed me will sit on the 12 thrones of judgment, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone. So now he's talking to us. He was talking to the disciples before. Now he's talking to everybody. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit, inherit eternal life. For some of us this morning, we've got to define that. Like, what, what does that look like? Like, God, I just don't quite understand what eternal life, like, what is, like, I understand we've heard it. If you've been in church 10 minutes, you probably heard it. 
You've heard the gospel preached. You've heard that, you know, you've known John 3, 16. You've heard it. For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in, believes in him. Man, I'm going back to King. That's my old school, man. I'm telling you. Uh, whoever believes it, you can tell I was in Sunday school when I was real little. Um, uh, whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life, eternal life. Same thing. What is that? That's fellowship with the Father for eternity. That's, that's fellowship with Jesus for eternity. For, there is no time on that. There is no we get to heaven and we're watching our clock going, we've only got a few more minutes with Jesus. I better get all I can in. No, that's eternity. That's, we're there for eternity. Like when we think about, just, just think about for a minute eternity. When you think about just for a minute heaven and hell and the difference there, the main difference there is that God's going to be in one place and he's not going to be in the other. Like we enjoy being here on this earth, having the presence of God be here through his Holy Spirit. We enjoy that. Some people don't get it, but we get to enjoy it. Imagine what it's going to be like when it's not the Holy Spirit that, 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 that we're trying to, to, to wrestle with and we're trying to wrestle with our flesh, but we get to have glorified bodies standing in front of him, worshiping him for eternity. Like we are in the presence of Jesus constantly. What is that going to be like? Like to me, I don't know, y'all get, I'm getting excited. I'm sorry. But to me, that's worth anything. Like that's worth the cost. I want to show you an example of that. I want to show you an example of what that is. Paul gives us a beautiful picture of an example of somebody who gets this. In Philippians 1, if you want to flip over there, you can. I think it's going to be on the screen. Philippians 1, starting in verse 18. Listen, listen to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, I want you to preface this by saying um, Paul's in jail when he, when he writes this. He's in jail in Rome. Just think about this for a minute. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in, in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glorify Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. He said that, and then over in, 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 chapter, in, in chapter 3, this is up on the screen. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. 
You want to tell me he didn't understand the cost of being a disciple of Christ? You want to tell me that that parable of, of finding the treasure and realizing it's going to cost me everything? You see, Paul says there, uh, just a few verses before that, he gives them an account of, of who he is. He says in verse 4 of chapter 3, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else think he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as the righteousness under the law, blameless. He had it all. And Jesus knocked him down and he said, I will follow you. And he gave up everything. And, and the crazy part about this is we read Paul, but he knew like what some of the Christians were sacrificing because he was killing them before he had his conversion when he was Saul. So he's already seen face to face what some people are willing to go through for, for the kingdom. And now he sits in a jail cell in Rome and he's saying, it's, I count it all as loss. Like if I was to die right now, praise the Lord, I'm going to get to be with Jesus. If I don't die right now, guess what? I'm going to preach Jesus. You want to shut me up? That's fine. I'll keep preaching Jesus. You kill me, I'll be with him. If you don't bring in another guard, I'm going to teach him about Jesus. You see, that's what Paul understood. He understood the cause. He understood it didn't matter. Paul, I mean, you, when you go back and read Paul and you think about all that he went through, shipwrecked, flogged, stoned almost to death, whipped several times. He's been in prison more times than probably any of us have. I mean, he, he, he had went through it. And he was up there. Like he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the one every, the religious leaders looked to. And now he's, he's suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. And he counts it all, all that he had, he counts it as loss for the surpassing knowledge of, of knowing, just knowing Jesus. You see, this, this morning... I just, I want us, I want us just to, it, real quick, this is not a very long message. I probably should have told Billy and Amy. They're probably going to be like, wait, he's, all, he's almost done. I want you to think about that question this morning. Is the kingdom of heaven for you? I want you to personalize it this morning. Is the kingdom of heaven worth the cost of discipleship? Now, a minute ago when I said that, I had a few amens. I had a few, uh -huh, I had a few, yeah, I mean, I had some people with me on that. But let's, let's just dissect it for a minute. Let's just sit here for a minute and really, really kind of talk about this question. After all that we've seen in the scripture, what we've heard from Jesus, what we've heard from Paul, let's just sit here for a minute. Let's just, let's just think about this. We can sit here and ask ourselves that question. In, in a beautiful building, right? Air conditioning. Thank you, Jesus. We had good hot coffee as we walked in, right? We got lights. We got, I mean, just beautiful musicians with musical instruments that make beautiful music. We've got every type of convenience. There's running water. There's bathrooms, multiple bathrooms, by the way, multiple bathrooms. Do we really understand what it costs to follow Jesus? I mean, I think sometimes, and again, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to preface this by saying if you don't like your toes stepped on, I'm go ahead and curl them up. Um, I'm just I'm following the Holy Spirit on this one. 
But does the church in America really understand what it means to, what it means to follow Jesus? What it means, the, the, the cost of following Jesus? We have more churches in this county than, than some countries have churches. We have more churches within a shouting distance. Like we can drive five miles whichever way you want to, and you're going to pass multiple churches. We're, we're a culture in America that says, I don't like that style of worship. I don't like that style of preaching. I don't like what they have in kids. I don't like this. The pastor wears this. His shoes are too bright and too blue. Okay, I'm so sorry. I like them. But we are in a culture where you can say that and go, you know what, I'm going to go to the church down the street and I'm going to try it. And you can leave that church without, without saying a word. Throw it out there on a, on a, on a Facebook message or, or whatever. You, you don't even have to say anything. You can just leave and you can go somewhere else. Is there really a cost attached to that? Like what we've done, and I'm, again, I, I'm, I am... I am I am preaching to myself here, okay? I grew up in church. I, I've been a minister for 13 years, and I am part of the problem, okay? I'm just saying that. Because we've taken in America, and we've consumerized church to the point where we want to give you whatever will take to get you in the door. And the only thing that we really need to give you is Jesus and be done with it. You see, we just get, we get so comfortable in America. I, I, I keep going back, and now I cannot wait. It, one, one day I'm going to get there. Um, we've got some friends, and, and, and I love the fact that my wife and my, my oldest son got to go to Haiti a few years ago, and then my wife went back. And I still get to, get to see Pepe on, on Facebook, and we still talk, and I still get to see this church. Uh, this church, I mean, you, you can talk to Stacy about it afterwards, but I mean, it was, it was you know, it's dirt floor. You know, they, they were ha the pastor, they built the pastor a house, and then he turned around and used his house, which was tiny little house, right? It was just little tiny little house. He used it for church, and then they, they busted out the seams. Like, they're having kids camp. They're going up and down the mountain getting kids, and they're having them come. I mean, she can tell you they, they did a soccer camp, and there was like literally kids coming out of the bushes to come to see what was going on. Like, you gave them... A, 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 a pair of shoes, a used pair of shoes that we would take to Goodwill or even throw away. And you would have thought they had gained like a treasure beyond me. Like it was just the most amazing thing they'd ever seen. And we sit here and, 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 and I hear stories about, about just the people that like, and I want you to understand where this is at in Haiti. Like it's, 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 it's bad there. It's been bad for years now. I was, I was getting ready to, to go months away from going on a trip to Haiti to see it for myself. And, and the, the airports got shut down and they have not, it hadn't been opened back up for us to get from the airport to, to Maribalis where the church is. They're still riding in the street. They're still thinking, I mean, just for them to go have food for the church to give to the communities around them is a life-threatening type of thing. They had to, Billy, one of the guys that, that was with the, their church, they had to hide him in the back of a truck to go get supplies, hide him back in that truck, knowing if he got caught, he's probably going to die, and they're going to take the supplies away from him. And they would hide him back in that truck, and they would take him back up the mountain for them to have supplies for the church to give out to the community around them. And I apologize for this, but yet we have trouble getting people to serve here. 
I'm preaching to myself, y'all. I want y'all to understand this. I'm preaching to me. I don't want this to come off as, you know, I'm Debbie Downer. Like, David gets to be positive, and he throws me up here to be negative. <laughs> it's not the way this worked, okay? I'm just following the Holy Spirit on this one, okay? But I want you to understand I'm preaching to myself because I'm caught up in this myself. That there have been times where I myself know there's a serving opportunity or I know somebody needs something and I've sat there and been like, well, somebody else will do it. Surely somebody else will do it. Or we've sat there and we prayed for somebody else to go do it when God gave you the call to go do it. See, what is it costing us? See, we, we hear this and we want to amen it. We say, yes, we want, yeah, this is good. But really, let's, let's examine ourselves for a minute. What's it costing us? Now, I'm not asking everybody to go sell all you have and just start following Jesus like a nomad, okay? Because then, then that would be weird. I'm just going to say it. But I really want you to think about it. I want you to think about what is it in your life right now? Is it your career? Is it your family? Is it just comfort in general? Maybe it's convenience. What is it that you just are like, I just don't know if I could give that up. Again, I'm sorry for saying this. I'm going to say that a lot in this message. We're going to move our services in two weeks. Y'all know where I'm going with this. We're going to move our services to Northgate. God has blessed us with a church that has opened their doors and said, please come in and have a service. Please. We want you to tell people about Jesus, so we're opening our doors for you guys to come in. But for that to happen, we've got to move our service from 1030 to 9 o'clock. Some of y'all just got real tense. It's like, almost like talking about money. I feel the same tension here, okay? So what does that mean? Like our band, okay? The band that you, I mean, this, these wonderful people who come up here and they rehearse during the week, but they get here uh, now like at 8.30 on Sunday morning. So do the math in your head. <laughs> so they're going to have to get up and do, we've got people who come in to do tech stuff to get here even earlier than they do. We've got welcome team people who come. All the people that greeted you as you walked in the doors, they get here early. We got people that come and, and, and they, they were, you know, brewing coffee early this morning. We got people who show up early. Now think about it. They're going to get here earlier than that to be ready for 9 o'clock. And there's some of you who've already started making jokes about it. And I know they're jokes, but there's truth in jest sometimes. Man, it's really hard to gonna be get up at, at, oh man, I'm gonna have to get up at eight, eight o'clock to be at church by nine, or I'm gonna have to get up at 7.30 to be at church by nine. What time you gotta be at work? <laughs> man, I felt that one, y'all. <laughs> what time you gotta have your kids at school? I'm sorry. <laughs> so let's be honest, are you saying that my job is more important than coming to worship with my local church? Are you saying that my kids' education, making sure they're at school on time, making sure that you're running? I know it's crazy. I know it's hectic. I've got kids too, okay? I've got two that don't want to get up for anything in the world. And to get them up, to get them ready for school, I, what am I saying? I don't do that. I'm already gone out of the house. Stacy does that, so bless her heart. <laughs> I know what it's like to have to do that, though. I've heard stories. <laughs> I want to try, I'm trying to be honest. I don't want to get in trouble. Sometimes I get up here and I get in trouble. I'm sorry. But no, the truth is, is, is we'll do that. We'll sacrifice in the mornings. We'll throw them some Pop-Tarts in the backseat of the car and hope that they eat it to make sure that they get to school on time. But there's some of you make jokes about, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get, it'll be 9, 15, 9, 30 before I walk through the doors of church. Really? 
I mean, just think about it. What, what is it costing you to be a disciple of Jesus when, when you really start to think about it? Because that's, that's a, a very minute detail, really. But, but it is, when we think about it, we're saying in that, this is what I value the kingdom as. This is what I say that it's worth. And Jesus said in these two parables, these two men saw the value of the kingdom. One found it, one was searching for it. He, he was a religious man. He was searching for everything he could, and he left it. He left all that, sold it to have that one pearl. The man that saw the treasure, he sold everything he had to come back to buy the field. We don't know what he did with the field. It didn't matter what he did with the field. All he wanted was the treasure that was in the field. Jesus says he, they sold everything they had. Jesus tells us, tells us to be a follower of him means to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. How many of us will sit here and will say that and we're like, yes, amen, preacher. That sounds good. We love it. But how many of you really, when you ask yourself that question, are really living that this morning? Is the kingdom of heaven worth the cost of discipleship? Can I tell you something, church? It's going to get worse. Again, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but I'm just trying to be truthful. This world is going to get worse. We think it's woke now. Just wait. To be a Christian in this country, it's, we're, we're projecting. It's getting there. It's going that way to where it's going to be, it's going to be constant ridicule, I feel like in, 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 in the, near, the near future, we may have to the point where, where you're going to see churches that if they don't change what they're preaching from the pulpit, they're going to start getting shut down. Yeah. It's going to happen. And, and I believe that, that just like these parables, I believe that when this stuff happens, when, when we really sit here face to face with the cost of what it means to be a disciple, I believe that, we're, that you're going to see some people get sifted out. I guess my question this morning, is it going to be you? Is, is, it, is, it, going, is it going to be you that, that, that decides, you know what, that I'll, I'll hold on to this about who Jesus is, but I'll give him this just to make sure that nobody talks bad about me or my family. Or I'll, I'll hold on to this piece about Jesus, but, but this over here, I'm okay giving them that, and I'll, I'll compromise on my belief just a little bit to make sure that they don't, they don't look at me weird or think I'm funny. Anytime that happens, you're putting a value on the kingdom. You're saying this is how much it cost, and I'm not really, I'm not really down for paying for that. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, not, I'm saying that it's not worth that to me. I'm saying that I just, it's okay that, that if I compromise a little bit, it's okay. No, it's not. You can't die halfway, right? Like, I, I mean, that's not like you're either dead, you're either, oh, I'm sorry. Some reference just popped in my head. Um, laugh at myself. We'll just keep it. Some of y'all know where I'm going with that, but I'm just going to keep it to myself. You're either all dead. You can't be mostly dead, okay? <laughs> my Princess Bride fans got that one. Um, you can't be mostly dead. You're either all dead or you're alive. That's the only thing. There's no, there's no in between. So when you die to yourself, there is no, hey, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to just hold on to a little bit. Just give me a little bit, Jesus. I'm going, I'll be dead in a minute. Just let me have this. No, there's none of that. There's none of that. 
So we got to ask ourselves, like, are we, are we comfortable? Are we living in a society? Are we living in a convenience? Are we living in, and, 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 and it's more about my career that like, like, am I telling Jesus, hey, I, as soon as I make it, just let me get there. Let me get through school, Jesus. Let me get done paying back these student loans. If you want to help me, you can. Um, I'm going to, once I get to this place, once I find that husband or that wife that you're going to send me, then I'll serve you. I'll die to you. I'll follow you. Once I make enough money, once, once I have my family in a good place, anytime we tell Jesus that, we put a value on the kingdom. We've said, this is how much it costs, Jesus, and to me, it's not worth it. That's what we've done. any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at doxaupstate.church. You are loved.